Hello and welcome to Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and my guest today is Michelle Seminara. Michelle manages, is the managing editor of uh, the creative arts journal Verity La and she's here today to talk about her poetry collection Engraft published by Island Press. Michelle, welcome. Hi Magdalena, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. So tell me, um, how did the poems and the different sections for Engraft come together? How did they become engrafted? Ah, good question. I suppose I wrote these poems over um, a couple of years and then when coming to put it together as a collection, I just uh, tried to see how they naturally fell together um, thematically and tell a sort of a story. And so they naturally seemed to fall into these four, se four sections um, and I, I really love it when I read a poetry collection where it doesn't just seem like a... Um, a selection of poems. It actually seems like um, it's a little sort of a, an arc, you know, a story that's told by the, the collection as a whole. And so I suppose that's what I was trying to achieve. So a lot of poems that could have gone in there but didn't really fit in thematically um, were, were ousted. And so the, the book actually got smaller and smaller as I um, went along. Mm. Uh, yes, I, I find that, um, do you find that putting poems together almost they almost have a conversation with each other as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting, especially um, when they're your own poems and then you see them um, in relation to each other. Um, I, I spent a lot of time spreading out, you know, printed out versions of the poems, you know, on the dining room table or the bed mm -hmm. or something and shifting them around and seeing how they converse with each other and what really works. So actually that, that I think that sequencing of the poems into a book is a, is a real art in itself and um, it's the first time I've done it. Uh, so it was a bit of a challenge, but I really enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things I noticed in the book is, is that you use the page in, in a lot of very different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think um, when I first started uh, writing or putting the book together, I was very lucky. My um, friend and um, fellow poet, Philip Hall, uh, was sort of working as an unofficial editor for me. So... Um, he, you know, I sent him the manuscript and he made quite a few suggestions. And that was one of his suggestions, actually, because he does that beautifully in um, his poetry. Uh, he sets it out around the page and he said, you know, a lot of these poems could benefit from some, you know, some different formatting. And that was a wonderful suggestion. Mm. Oh, so can, can I get you to read one um, that I think also does use the, the page in, in an interesting way? Um, Pray, which is page ah, 13. Yes. Great. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Pray. Birds of prey fly their victims live into the eye-blue sky with intent to drop them, slit them, kill them, and then feed upon them. I long to be that prey. I desire to be sundered, like the sacrificial lamb, the turtle, and the hermit crab. I want my heart to crack and scatter its gems on the cold grey stone. I want my guts to burst and spread their filth on the grassy slope. I want my brain to splinter and pierce you with its obsidian shards. For I pray to be a feast of truth you will devour. Quite the poem for our times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit intense, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Talk to me a little bit about it. And, and you know, I, like, I, I love the way you play with the title as well and, mm. and almost encapsulate the meaning of the poem in its structure. 
Yes, I did set this one out. It, it does look um, sort of rather cross-like and, um, you know, as a cross uh, formation. And um, I didn't do that on purpose. I just I wrote the poem and then I started to muck around with it. And then when I was happy with it, I looked back and realised that that is how it looked and that that was perfect, that form or formatting had come out naturally um, as a result, I suppose, of the of what the poem is trying to say. So that was a nice surprise, actually. Um yeah, it's a very intense poem. I had various reactions. I went to a poetry workshop, the only one I've ever done in my life. This is one of the very first, probably first within the first ten poems I ever actually wrote. It was quite an early poem for me. And, um, yeah, a lot of the people really disliked it. <laughs> so I thought twice before putting it in the book, but I still like it, so I did. Uh, I think it was because it had a lot of sort of visceral imagery and quite sort of dark and um, in a way, violent imagery, but I don't see it that way. I see it as um, actually quite a sort of a, a spiritual poem. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a Buddhist, and so I was um, thinking more along the lines of transformation formation and um, renewal um, rather than sort of something sort of violent and, and deathly, you know. Yeah, I, I find that a lot of the poems as well have that kind of um, that sort of tension. Maybe it's the, the pain of transformation. And then the transcendence. Ah, uh, you're you're very perceptive. Yeah, I think I think that you hit it right on the head. Actually, I haven't thought about it in that way, but um, yeah, I, I suppose that's the truth, isn't it? Any change, and especially transformations that are quite intense. You know, when we all hit that sort of ground zero in our life, where we're just looking around, thinking, "Oh, where do I go from here?" You know, when the things um, are difficult. Um, of course, there's a lot of pain that goes through those transformation um, that happens as part of that transformation and usually it's that sort of experience where we look back and think you know I'm a better person or a changed person or I've learned so much from going through those experiences at the time of course we probably avoided it if we could it's painful but as you say it's really necessary um, part of that transformation. Yes, it's, it's sort of the first lesson of childbirth, isn't it? <laughs> mm, absolutely, yes. <laughs> so not all pain is necessarily something to be avoided or bad. No, no. And maybe that's also, well, that's just life experience, isn't it? But I think it's also um, part of my um, sort of... Uh, teachings because you know I'm a Buddhist so um, you know a lot of pain is seen as quite a what's the first noble truth you know in the Buddhist teachings and it's also seen as um, you know not something negative or to be avoided but something to um, that can give you a a lot of um, a lot of gifts in terms of character development and and insights. Samsara (laughs) breathe into it. Yes. (laughs) And and I find that, that, again, that that seems to me to be um, a uniting thread through the work, this idea of, you know, kind of breathe into it. Yes, definitely. I suppose there's not much else you can do at times, is there? um, Yeah, that was – I I sort of noticed that myself as I I was going through and, as I said, um, throwing poems out that didn't really seem to fall in naturally to the book. Those were the ones that – that were left and I thought okay this is this um, book is a very particular book from the last few years of my life and so I think I'm going to make make it that sort of expression and you know a lot of people seem to relate to it um, and I suppose no one gets through life um, for very long without you know difficulties and suffering so um, I'm sort of of the sort of uh, better out than in school of poetry I suppose <laughs> and um, 
I think I think you do a service to other people as well sometimes if you can be quite raw and honest um, because it, other people don't feel so alone when they read it. That's my experience when I read poetry like that anyway. Mm. Yes, and I guess a lot of that would have come out in the Mad Poets um, session that you just had in Wollongong. Yes, it was wonderful actually. It was very much like that. Um, the group of people, the audience members and the um, panellists and readers really sort of bonded together. It was a really special feeling and uh, lots of sharing going on and, um, yeah, just a lot of um, passion for poetry and creativity and the way it can be a sort of a cathartic experience as well for people. Mm. And so a lot of the work in the book itself um, is almost driven, and I, I think this goes back to what you said about kind of um, – pulling the book together as a coherent uh, a mm. coherent work. But it, a lot of it takes its cue from the title, sort of writing through other work, such as the title poem, which is written through Shakespeare's Sonnet 16. Yeah, that's right. You know, I like a lot of poets, I hate trying to find titles. You know, often they feel a bit tacked on. But I must say this one didn't... Um, it, it, it sort of arose and it seemed to um, express a lot of different things about the book in terms of um, conversing, you know, there's a lot of found poetry, um, remix poetry in the book as well, so conversing with other authors, you know, past and present. Um, and also that idea of, um, you know, engraft is an old Shakespearean word and so it comes from, I think, the uh, word graft, which was uh, based on graphite, so it means like a stylus, a pen, but as we all know it also means... Um, to graft one thing, you know, plants and so on, onto another to create something new. So I love that um, within that word, the, the word is engrafted in itself, I think it has that dual meaning. Mm. And I love that idea that um, through through transformation, through um, suffering experiences and then grafting that onto creativity, you create something um, completely new and perhaps something uh, much more beautiful. Um, and that's why I love the cover image for the book as well, it's a um, it's a beautiful um, flower which is actually made of hands. Um, when you look closely, the petals are hands, and I was very lucky to be able to use this. Um, one of my friends' um, husbands, Jim um, Singanos, he's a great artist, and he allowed me to use the picture, and it was perfect. So it all seemed to fall together really nicely. Mm, I love that cover. <laughs> so about oh, thank you. Um, and can I, get <laughs> I you feel vain to... saying I love the cover of my own book, but I just really do. I love that image. Yeah, well, it's great that you love the cover. It's nothing worse than not liking a cover, I can tell you. True. Um, so if you're yes. on book. So <laughs> can I get you to read Engraft, which is page 19? Sure. Engraft. Man is conceived upon this sullied stage, and like a seedling grows, but then decreases. He vaunts his youthful sap in brave conceit, till wasteful time decays his day to night. Everything holds but a little moment, even your perfection cannot stay. So I'll make war with time, and as he takes you, make love, and with my pen engraft you new. So that one's a, um, a found poem, um, as you said, uh, from Shakespeare's um, Sonnet 15. And so I did it in response to a, um, a call-out from a journal in England called the English um, Renaissance Literary Journal or something like that. And they were looking to remix all of Shakespeare's sonnets. So you had to sort of dibs one and send yours in and hope it got chosen. And, and luckily mine did. And um, I really enjoyed that. It, I would never, I don't think, have the um, audacity to remix Shakespeare normally. <laughs> but the fact was sort of given permission to do so. And so it was wonderful to um, 
yeah, to get that opportunity. So and basically, I chose the words within that sonnet and um, only those words and remixed them to create that poem. And obviously, it's not the only Shakespeare in the book. So um, you were happy with the result? Were you encouraged from that to do more? Uh, oh, isn't it the only Shakespeare? What else? Uh, have I, I think there's. Uh, I'm sure there's some other. Maybe they're just references. Ah, uh, they could be. Yeah, there is. A, there's definitely a lot of remixing and references. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, um, you know, Kafka in there, yes. and there's Bishop and Lowell and yes. all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're not daunted by working with such a literary giant, or, or are you pleasantly surprised at how much is still new coming through <laughs> from such such a picked over? author i was i was daunted yes but then i was also sort of excited i don't as i say i don't think i would have dared if i'd be so bold as to remix shakespeare if it hadn't been you know for this call out from this journal so that's what everyone was doing you were asked to remix in some way so that sort of gave me gave me the green light to go ahead and be bold and and do it i actually it's something i'd like to do a bit more of it's um quite amazing you know i've got a huge um respect and, and love of Shakespeare but when you really um delve into those sonnets more deeply um yeah it's it's incredible yeah just at how much is still fresh coming through yes yes absolutely yeah, yeah. after all these years <laughs> and I feel, yeah, like, I feel like this is interesting tank um tension not just with the Shakespeare but of course with, with the bishop and you know with Kafka and with with all of what you do really um, this tension between a kind of tradition and postmodernism, not just in form mm-hmm. but thematically. You know, you've got warmth versus coldness, nurturing versus warrior, you know, pain versus yeah, right. transcendence. It, it, it seems to me that this is um, very interesting tension throughout the whole book between these these opposites. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It's funny. Um, going into like doing found poetry, remixing poetry and so on wasn't something I ever sort of intended to do. I just started to um, read more of other people doing that and uh, I sort of got into a collaboration with um, poet Stuart Barnes and he's great at doing that and so he sort of encouraged me into that as well. And I just found I, I really had a... Um, I can't say affinity, that sounds a bit vain, but I just I just love the process of taking a um, taking an original text, whatever that be, whether it be a whole novel or another poem or whatever, and just trying to feel my way into it and circle words and, and see the relationship between things and tease and tease another text out of that text. I don't know why, I just I just absolutely enjoy that process. I enjoy that as much as writing original poems. And um, often if I'm going through a bit of a dry period where I don't have a lot of spontaneous poems, you know, bubbling up, I'll, I'll break that by grabbing a text I love and sitting down and working on a found poem. It's, it's a great technique for when you do feel, you know, you don't have so much inside. But then I suppose the whole thing of... Um, finding a poem or within something else isn't engrafting, you know, in itself. Mm. And, you know, I really I really love that process and finding the relationship between the two texts. Yes, and then you've got this lovely echo, <clears throat> echo effect yeah. that comes through as well from the, you know, the previous poem and your poem, this sort of dialogue that becomes, and the dialogue that you have, for example, with Stuart Barnes, that becomes really quite, it, it kind of is expansive, I think, in impact. Yes, I think you're right, doesn't it? It sends ripples out because mm. you're building upon what's there and you're, you're changing it slightly. It's kind of like a, a variation on a theme in a sense. And 
um, you're, you're putting yourself into that sort of literary conversation, which once again could be seen as quite bold from, you know, little unknown poet sitting in the corner of Australia. But I think you're best to just um, jump in and get amongst it, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and another set of clashes that happens with, with the poems um, is this, I guess, this tension between seriousness and humour as well. Mm-hmm. I, I find, you know, at the, at, at the most lowest, darkest point, it, it's as if suddenly some of, some of the pieces will break through with this, you know, incredibly funny line. <laughs> Oh, isn't that funny? I don't think of myself as funny at all, but that's, I'm glad that that's, um, that's there. That's well, you, wonderful. Because you, that's life, isn't it? You yes, know, and you, you might need to be a female of, you might need to be a female of our age to get that. But um, I'm thinking yeah. particularly <laughs> of uh, Zhuang Zhou, Dreams in Pink, which is one that, um, <sighs> you know, I, I really felt like it was so dark. And then suddenly I burst out laughing at the last line. So. Oh, good. Oh, I'm glad. Yes, and, and laughing knowingly, perhaps. <laughs> Can you read yes. that to us page 37? <laughs> yes, yes, I'd love to. Zhangju uh, dreams in pink. I suck the pink flowers off the tree into the negative space of my heart. They spear towards me, reverse water blossoms, transformed by mine's maras into weapons. I crave some beauty to buoy me. The kids in the backseat bicker, they want, want, the dog a walk, the teenager, who knows, the husband, oblivion on the couch. The lollipop man leaks over the edges of his stool in a caterpillar green vest. What a job, rising painfully to ferry hapless children to illusory shores of safety. Whose childhood dream was that? How is it that we came to be locked in these bodies, lies ossifying into rings of fat, rigidity and suffering? That man was once a boy light as a dandelion, the body barely given thought. Now it's a trap and death the escape. The doctor says my estrogen is low. She prescribes hormones to alter the cruelty of my vision. Don't ask me why I find that funny, but I do. (laughs) I find (laughs) the whole thing sort of, um, you know, this incredible intensity and then suddenly saying, you know, well, it's menopause. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose, yeah, that that's life, isn't it? You yes. you're trying to you're trying to uh, muddle through with everything you've got to do, and you're having intense experiences. But at the same time, it's all very prosaic, and especially with kids, you know, it's um very daily as well as um uh, being very intense at the same time, you know. And I, I love those um you know that's life, and I love those um, that kind of push and pull between those two forces. And I think for um, most you know women we feel that but especially perhaps if you're a creative person you know because you're trying to um get these two um in a sense opposing things to run side by side um the creativity and then the every day to day and sometimes yeah it leads to these interesting clashes and and also you know again going back to the first comment you made this this notion of the transformative of, of suddenly breaking through you know suddenly <laughs> suddenly it's okay. It's minor. You know, it's, yeah, that's true. It's, it's not such a big deal. We've moved on. You know, we had some chocolate. Yes. It's, it's all right. Yes. <laughs> some um, chocolate and red wine. It's fine. Yeah. And I, I just love that. And I love, I love that whilst the poems can get very dark and very intense and, and you know, very sonorous, at times um, there is also an incredible playfulness that, that happens throughout the work. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that came through because uh, I think it is quite an intense book. And sometimes um, when people buy it, and I don't, I 
I, I feel strange saying, oh, I hope you enjoy it, because I don't think it's that kind of book necessarily <laughs> um, that one goes away and enjoys. And so, but you don't, nobody wants to read something that's just dark, dark, dark. And life isn't just dark, dark, dark. You know, um, I'm quite, I'm quite comfortable with all those things being next to each other, because that's just how it is, you know. And um, I'm glad that came through in the book that, it, you know, the the saving graces because they're there, you know, and the most joyful things are sitting right at the heart of the darkest things, I think. Mm, absolutely. So um, I, I want you to read one more that I think is is pretty dark. Um, sure. <laughs> probably the most dark poem in the book. Um, but also, and then I'll, then I'll let you talk about your new book, Scar to Scar. Ah. I really want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit too. Um, but the the what I found with this poem, um, I'm going to ask you to read Ultrasound, which is, is very intense. Um, but with poems like Epistle to My Pedophile and Ultrasound, um, mm-hmm. however dark they are, I find there's something universal too in, in kind of opening out the secret griefs and hurts, almost as if you're disinfecting them with sunlight. Yes, that's exactly it, um, Magdalena. That's, I, I suppose everybody's different, aren't they, in what they feel um, comfortable sharing. And that was one of the interesting things that came out of the um, the Mad Poets um, event. I was just at the Wollongong um, Poetry Fest, uh, Wollongong Writers Festival, and that people, um, some people feel very comfortable opening things up, and for them that's cathartic and healing. Other people, um, that's too intense. And so I suppose it's it's okay wherever you are, and it changes as you go through your life as well um but for me i suppose i wouldn't have i wouldn't have written a book obviously 10 or 20 years ago but even if i could have i probably wouldn't have because i wouldn't feel comfortable sharing as much whereas now i think i'm just at an age where i think you know what everybody's got stuff everybody's been through a lot of things and i think it helps it helps share it and so um i feel that that is um is a thing. It's a beautiful way you put it. It disinfects it with with the sunlight of of shining the light on there. Yes, and also, I guess, showing, you know, putting them into an art form. I mean, it's not just cathartic. It's also, in its way, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Like, a lot of um, my poetry is quite, I suppose you'd use it confessional or personal, you know, but um, the point is that it starts with a you know an, an emotional um, urge but of course it has to it can't just stay like that it's not therapy it's poetry and therefore it, you know it needs to be crafted and eventually it's something quite separate and new and I think um, that's why I feel comfortable sharing it because when I look at the poems you know they they have an origination in you know emotions but they're not emotions at the end they're 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 an artwork and so um, although I think with poetry people more than any other form of writing, assume, you know, most most things are um, autobiographical, which is interesting, but that's another discussion probably. Yeah. Yes, we could, we could have a whole session on that. Well, but let's cover that <laughs> up later. <laughs> on, it is poetry autobiographical? Okay. Can I get you to read Ultrasound, please? That's 55. Sure, I'd love to. Thank you. Ultrasound. They used to be joyful. The pictures of babies used to pertain to me. But today my belly is swollen with portent, and I note with unease that my aspects is a man. Female seers are reserved for life, and I am an obedient bag of death, viscera spread on the gritty screen, waiting to be read. The ancient technician gives no indication, although he seems a little kinder on the way out than on the way in. Later, the children rolling like pups in the ocean of my bed, 
we point at the funny photos of mummy's insides and say, look, it's those black spots that are the problem. So that was a poem I wrote after um, getting an ultrasound. So it was quite autobiographical, this one. But luckily, false alarm. But, of course, being a poet, I um, I mined it for all it was worth. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and isn't it great to have that? I, mean, I don't know how people survive is. without an art, to be honest. You mean just a bit of drama? <laughs> no, I just mean I, I don't know how people go through the inevitable um, things that ah, happen in saying, life, yes. whether it's death or whether yes. it's you know health scares, without actually having a, a, an art form to deal with it, without being able to lie there going, I could use this. <laughs> I feel I feel exactly the same. You know, I think I think it's a thing in our. I think you see it at a societal level. You know, when there's people who have no interest in poetry whatsoever, when the chips are down, you know, if it's a funeral or a tragedy, mm -hmm. uh, suddenly uh, poems are trending on Twitter. I was reading that even um, when Donald Trump um, was recently elected, people were uh, tweeting poems all over the place about it because people sort of, some, you know, a section of people felt, perceived it as a, a traumatic sort of experience. And so poetry about that was trending. And I think that um, it happens uh, on a societal level and, you know, also on a personal level, um, yeah, when the chips are down, um, for me, turning to poetry um, to express those experiences and explore them is um it's um, yeah basically a, a solace it's a very um yeah very comforting experience I think yes and and I think the poetry world does seem primarily I know there are exceptions but primarily it seems to sit on the opposite spectrum to this swing to kind of you know xenophobic hard right governments um mm. and, and certainly Verity Law does um and seems to be responding quite vigorously Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, with Verity La, we've um, it's it's got a sort of a certain aesthetic, and yeah, I suppose you would call that sort of rather anti what is going on in in the world at the moment. But also just more um, to give uh, people who are having some more marginalised experiences more space to express those experiences. Mm. Um, and really, what what everybody's expressing is is universal. I think the big the big things, you know, the sufferings we all go through. Um, it's just that some people have, or some sections, you know, of society, been given more space to express their their particular experiences than others. So I suppose at Verily Love, we're just trying to open that up a bit and offer that space. Um, to different forms of expression. Which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So um, just tell me briefly, we're, we're nearing the end, but um, tell me about Scar to Scar that you've done with Robbie Coburn. Oh, well, it's just it's just hot off the press, or should I say press press, to do a really bad pun because that's who published it, press press, Chris Mansell. Um, it's, it's a beautiful little book. Um, I just love it. I keep looking at it. Once again, I feel really vain saying it, but um, it's a really – she's produced a, a um, aesthetically beautiful um, little book and it, it came about when um, I met Robbie for the first time in uh, Melbourne. That was only at the beginning of this in February, March, I went down there to launch in Graft and Robbie and I had known each other, um, you know, online as you do and he's the co-poetry editor for Verity La. So already quite um, close in a way but we had face-to-face -face. and so he came to my launch and then we, you know, hung out for a little while and this and that and um, we just really felt, I, you know, a, a real sort of click, you know, when you just meet somebody and you just mm. get 
them and they get you, which is um, unusual because he's, you know, he's he's young. He was only 21 then. We have pretty much nothing in common on paper besides poetry. And yet we um, just really clicked. And I went back to my hotel room and, and that night he sent me a poem um, just sort of being into my inbox, sort of no explanation, just a poem. And it was the original um, or the title poem from this book, um, which he called Scar. And uh, it's quite a deep, intense poem. And I thought, oh, okay, what do I do with this? And so rather it didn't seem right sort of right back and just say, hey, how are you going, you know. Um, I thought I'm going to answer with a poem. So um, I just started to to do that and then I started to write a found poem based upon his poem. So once again I took his words and rearranged them and I decided to have a sort of poetic conversation because what he expressed was quite deep and so I thought I needed to respond in a similar way and I tried to sort of perform a bit of poetic alchemy in a sense, um, transforming the darkness in his poem into something, you know, um, not lighter but, I don't know, just something different something possibly um more positive or or on the other side of that journey through that darkness and so that was the very um, beginning of that sort of poetic conversation and over several months we wrote more and more of these things until finally we we had enough for this little book and you know it's it's um very close to my heart um you know I really love Robbie he's such a good friend I think he's a brilliant poet and it's um it's been a real honor to write this with him and also to have it published by Press Press Mm, wonderful. Can I get you to read? Do you have a? Can you read one, maybe shorter? Yes, absolutely. What I might do is just read the original poem um, that started the book, and it's we wanted it to be set out so that that poem um, is in the very centre of the book because that poem is set out in a way that you um, the po- the book is set out. So you read Robbie's poem first on the left, and mine on the right. But scar to, uh, scars and counter scars, which is the the original and centre sort of heart of the book. Um, we want it to be set out uh, next to each other because the poems can be read um, sort of vertically, so from top to bottom, but also horizontally, so they have meaning. Um, and so basically it was like the merging of the voices. So rather than a poem and a response, these two poems work together as one unified poem and that sort of sits at the heart of the book. But obviously it's hard to read them in two separate ways, so I'll just read Robbie's and, and then mine. So his poem, all the poems together are called Scars and Counter Scars. So Robbie's is first. Within landscapes sealed off and positioning the body, you watch the breath enter the sealed atmosphere. Along the blade, poised against your palm, where blood begins to run, the frame nature of panic is forgotten. The wound is only preservation, remember. When the skin begins to fail, blood draped along the decayed bone lines, a pulse will run along the nerve ends. You corner the vein and drive the object in again, finding a point of collapse. With the same impulse, the passage will lead you back. For a while, the red painted on your arm feels distant. Your body does not belong to you. In this, there is permanence. And then there's my response. The cry of my voice is enough to collapse skin. Becoming survival, you cross a passage, preservation wounds forgotten. The panic of blood along blade, along poised palm stills. My breath enters your sealed landscapes within. Wow. <laughs> that, that sounds like it's going to be an amazing book to read. I'm very much looking forward to it, Michelle. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think it's special. I don't – I mean, there probably are collaborations like this around, but I personally um, haven't read a book where poets sort of get together and do something exactly like this. And um, I think it is quite special. And I know it's um, close to Robbie's heart as well. Yeah, wonderful. That, that's terrific. So um, where can people find you and your books? Give us a link. Ah, so probably the best place for me is my um, my blog. Um, it's called The Everyday Strange, but if you were to just Google, you know, Michelle Seminar and WordPress, you'd stumble upon it. Um, and so Engraft can be bought from there. And um, probably the best place for um, getting hold of Scar to Scar, which is um, it's only $10, it's such a beautifully produced little chapbook, um, is from um, Chris Mansell's site, the Press Press um, site. So she delivers them, she mails them out, so... That's probably the best place. And then mm. I'll, um, I'll put both Robbie links. also has um, a website. Yeah. I'll, I'll put both links and I'll put a link to Robbie's website too on the um, podcast page so people can oh, get to them quite easily. So that's thank pretty you. much all we have time for today, but thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Magdalene. It was such a pleasure. Um, yeah, I, I feel really honoured to be on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. And listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the channel at Blog Talk Radio or iTunes so you don't miss a show. Bye for now. Okay, bye. <laughs>